0: Well, today we are continuing a series that we launched last week titled Go and Be. It's sort of a natural outgrowth from our Come and See series that we finished up earlier this month. And the idea is that when we come and see Jesus and His love begins to transform us and change us and make us into a reflection of Him, then by nature we need to go and be. We need to go and be. His hands and feet in the world, we need to go and be Christ-like is what we looked at last week as we launched things off. And we talked about dropping the stones. If you weren't here, uh, that was a a message you might want to take a listen to and uh, catch up with us as we talked about dropping the stones rather than looking for people to throw them at. And once we have our hands free, now we can go and we we can interact with people, we can reach people, we can reach out to people, and we can impact their lives on Christ's behalf. So today, we're going to uh, continue the the idea, and we're going to continue this idea that we started back in John. uh, Right at the end of the, the Come and See series, there was that passage in John chapter 20, when Jesus appears to his disciples, and he says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And we've been camped out on this idea that uh, that we are a sent people following a sent savior that jesus was sent that god sent jesus that That when the time had fully come, God sent forth His Son. that, That God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. And wherever Jesus happened to be when you're reading the Gospels, He was sent there. He was sent there by God and He lived His life with this sense of divine purpose and mission. And He says at the end of the Gospel of John, As God has sent me in all of that, so I send you. And so today we're going to talk about living as sent People, So we're going to talk about going and being sent. So wherever you are, realize that you have been placed there by God with an opportunity to impact that little corner of the world for Him on His behalf, to be To be an ambassador of Christ is the language that Paul uses, or, or to be linking arms with him in his ministry of reconciliation, seeking to reconcile the world to God. Wherever you are, you have an opportunity to live as one who has been sent there and to live with a divine sense of purpose. And so if you were here uh, last Sunday, you were invited to a conversation with Pastor Mark. We did that in the evening, Sunday evening. It was a wonderful time together. We, we worshiped. We talked about what God has been doing in our midst. We had question and answer. And, and maybe the highlight for me was, was sort of an impromptu moment when we just sang Amazing Grace acapella at the end. And several people said, that was the best part for me. And I said, yeah, I think it was maybe the best part for me as well. But we talked there uh, about uh, some, some things that God has been coalescing in the minds of the leadership here and the local board of administration, and uh, we're working and have been working for some time on a new mission statement, and a mission statement that would give us a sense of purpose and direction and help us to focus uh, our attention and our intention in the right areas. And so after some prayer and some fasting and some some reading and thinking together and discussing together, we landed on a mission statement to reach people for Christ, give them a place to belong, and help them grow in their faith. And so today as we talk about living sent and going and being sent, it really has to do with that first phrase of our mission statement that, that ultimately as God's ambassadors, we are to reach people for Christ. That's one of our core callings. And one of the main things that Linwood needs to be focused on is on reaching people for Christ. That there are a whole lot of people out there that God wants to see in here. And from the very beginning of my ministry here, we've talked about... Empty seats in spirit-filled churches break God's heart. We need to be a people who are reaching people for Christ and bringing them in here so that they can hear the good news, so that they can find a place to belong, so that they can grow in their faith. And as we do that, we we will become more and more this family of families that we seek to be. So today I want to look at Acts chapter 13 verses 1 through 4. This will be sort of the launch pad for our message today. If you're not familiar with the book of Acts, it comes right after the four Gospels. So in the New Testament you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and those are the four Gospels or sort of like biographies of Jesus Christ. And then after the Gospel of John, we have what is referred to as the Acts of the apostles, and it's co- sort of a historical chronicling of the early church as they go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the utter ends of the earth. And and that language comes from the eighth verse of, of the book of Acts. Way back in chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. He's talking about being sent into this world in Jerusalem, which is where they are, in Judea, which is where Jerusalem is kind of right in the middle of of Judea, and then Samaria. Now, Samaria is interesting because Samaria involves sort of a cross cultural ministry that's going to take place. The Samaritans were a little different from the Jews, and they didn't always get along and see eye to eye. And then beyond Samaria, now we're getting into the utter ends of the earth. We're getting to where they don't even talk the same, or look the same, or act the same at all. And Jesus is saying, You're going to be my witnesses there. You're going to be sent there with a message to proclaim. And so that's the beginning of Acts, and then we start to read stories, and we see the church in Jerusalem, and then we see the church branch out from Jerusalem into Samaria and into uh, the neighboring areas, and now into the utter ends of the earth. And Acts 13 is a really pivotal point in that idea of the utter ends of the earth. And so you'll pick up on that as we read it together. If you've got a Bible with you, uh, or pick up one of those pew Bibles, we're on page 1714, um, and I want you to just read along. We'll read the first four verses, and then we'll back up and walk through these together and, uh, and see what they have to say to us today. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. So just a a few verses that we're going to look at this morning as we think about going and being sent. Going and being sent. And just from that first verse, we can tell a few things about the church at Antioch. It was a large, well established, fruitful, multicultural church. And it had a host of great preachers. Five of them are named. It says there were prophets and teachers there, and then names them, which in this type of literature would be calling them out uh, and giving them special honor, that they probably had very good worship and pretty significant spiritual depth. It, It tells that they were fasting and praying together. They were fasted. Fasting and worshiping together. And so there was worship taking place. There was a multicultural uh, congregation that we can see just from the names of the people that were listed there. Their names give away their lineage or, or where they came from. And so there are people from North Africa. There are people from uh, all parts of the known world. And so it was a large multicultural cor- organization. And this church was established. And interestingly enough, we know a few things about the church in Antioch. We know that it was planted by Jewish converts, Jewish converts to Christianity who had been scattered in one of the persecutions. So when persecution had broken out in Jerusalem, they had scattered into the world and it was almost as if God was using those persecutions to spread the gospel because they didn't necessarily go and be, they kind of stayed and be initially in the Jerusalem church they didn't branch out quickly and there were a couple of waves of persecution at the end of chapter 4 at the end of chapter 8 where we're told that they were scattered and this had had led to the planting of churches around uh, the mediterranean rim in the initial wave antioch was one of those churches we know from uh, from acts 11:22 that That Barnabas was sent from Jerusalem to Antioch. That they started to hear about the things that were taking place in Antioch. That there was a move of the Spirit there. That these Gentiles were believing. That that people that didn't have a Jewish lineage were believing. So they sent Barnabas out there to check it out. And Barnabas was sent. He was sent from Jerusalem to Antioch. And after he gets there and he sees, yeah, this is legit, this stuff is happening, he realizes, hey, I'm not that far from Tarsus now, I should go and connect with Paul and bring him back. And so Barnabas goes and gets Paul, and Paul comes back, and Paul and Barnabas sow into this church in Antioch for a period of about a year. And they could have easily gotten satisfied. They could have easily said, we've built this wonderful church. It's growing. It's impacting its community here. Let's just take our foot off the gas and relax a little bit and enjoy the blessing that God has given us. Right? But then the Holy Spirit shows up. In verse 2, and I, I don't know if you noticed this, but the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks to the people in verse 2, and it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I had called them. And by extension, we can imagine that part of the instruction was that they would be sent from there, because they set them apart, they pray and they fast a little more, and they send them off. They send them off. And I want to encourage you to think, if you are in Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have received the gift of salvation, if you are a member of the family of God, if you know who goes before you and you know who stands behind, if the God of angel armies is on your side, you might ask God sometime, God, what have you set me apart to? Where are you sending me to? Who are you Sending me too. Because we are a sent people following a sent Savior. And if you're in Christ, you are set apart and you are sent out. Maybe not overseas, maybe not to Zambia, or maybe not to China, or maybe not to South America. Maybe you are. It's absolutely possible that you could be sent there for a short term, you could be sent there for a long term. But you're certainly sent across the street to your neighbors. You're certainly sent by God, by Christ, across the hall at work to talk to somebody who's maybe struggling. You're certainly sent across town to another neighborhood, potentially, to share the good news there, to to live as a witness for Christ there, to figure out what is your Jerusalem, what is your Samaria, what is your utter ends of the earth. Where do you have opportunity to be sent by God to carry the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life? And, and that's the thing. He says, you'll be my witnesses. Witnesses tell what they've seen and heard. That's what a witness does in a court of law. They get up on the stand and they tell what they've seen, what they've heard, what they have experienced as it pertains. And we are sent to go and to be witnesses for Christ, to tell what he's done in our lives to the people around us. And I love in verse 3 that the story continues, and it's just that quick. And so, in verse 3, they fast, they pray, they place their hands on them, and they send them off. They don't wait around. They don't form a committee. They just obey. They just go. They just do what was asked of them. And I believe they were fasting and they were praying for unity, for confirmation, for blessing. And... They send them out and they send them off. And Paul and Barnabas go on what has become known as Paul's first missionary journey. There were four specific journeys where he was sent forth from a place with a mission in order to be a witness for Christ in that place and and plant churches. And, And then from Acts, you start to read the letters that Paul wrote to the churches that he planted. And it starts with Romans and it goes to Corinthians and Galatians and to Ephesians and Philippians and on and on and on and he's writing to pastors that he has brought into ministry with Timothy and Titus and he's, he's writing to these places that he's been and he's been sent there and he's been sent there and I included verse 4 there's probably a paragraph break in your Bible but I included verse 4 where we're told that the two of them Paul and Barnabas sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus You want to know why I included verse 4? You want to know why it matters where they started and where they went first? Well, from Acts 4.36, we know that Barnabas was a native of Cyprus. So he said, hey, I know where we should go first. We should go back to Cyprus. We should tell the people there. We should go and, and see if they would support us in the continuing and the furthering of our journey. We should start in my own backyard. We should start there in Cyprus. They started in their own backyard, and so should we. So should we. We should start across the hall, across the street. You got the holidays coming up. You've got you've got Thanksgiving. You've got Christmas. You're going to see people that you haven't seen for a while. Some of you are excited about that. Some of you aren't, <laughs> but you're going to have opportunities. You're going to have opportunities to be a witness. You're going to have opportunities to share. You're going to have an opportunity to speak hope and speak life into situations. You're going to have an opportunity to extend grace. And you're going to have an opportunity to be a witness for Christ. In fact, our, our Christmas, our Advent series is going to be titled Making the Most of Christmas. And we're going to talk about making the most of Christmas. Making the most of this month where the world, at least our world here in America, is largely focused on this holiday, this Christmas, and many not for the right reasons. But we have an opportunity then to make the most of Christmas. And we'll look at the Christmas story and a number of different people who had, have, have given us examples of how they made the most of Christmas and how they found themselves forever in the Christmas story. So I'm looking forward to that. But we should start just as Paul and Barnabas started, right in our own backyard, right in our circle of influence, and if you're faithful in that circle of influence, then he may very well send you outside of it or send you somewhere else, and you will have an opportunity to follow him wherever he leads you to go. I want to I also give us an illustration of why this matters so much. And you say, well, why do we have to go? Why do we have to share? Why do we have to witness? Why do we have to, why do we have to share our faith? Uh, there's a lot of research out there, Barna studies and Pew research and other studies, that, that a lot of modern Christians or, or contemporary Christians don't share their faith once in a 90-day 90, 90 period. They don't share their faith with anybody. They come to church and they worship and they, they serve and they, they do things. But as far as one-on-one evangelism, personal evangelism, very, very few Christians are in a regular habit of sharing their faith or inviting people to come to church or inviting people to a bible study or something like that. And I want to I want to lift this up as sort of an illustration or an object lesson. I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7 back in the crisp pages of your bible, right? You might have read through all this, you know, in a bible in a year program, but it's it's not for me the the new testament is well worn and those those pages come apart easily, but the 2 Kings, you know, the, there's parts of that 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 are in pretty good shape as far as my Bible is concerned. I don't know about yours. But this is a story that is a perfect illustration of why we are sent and why we must go and be sent people so it 's on page five hundred and eighty one if you 've got one of the Pew Bibles, let me just read this this passage and then comment on it a little bit. I think it 'll make sense as we go through it. to give you just a little bit of the context here in Second King's chapter Seven. There is a siege that has been laid against the city of Samaria and it 's the King of Aram in our new international version. Some translations will say the King of Syria. Those two are interchangeable, uh, but they 've laid siege on Samaria, and there was already a severe famine so it's a pretty desperate situation. And if you go back and read second Kings chapter 6, you'll see that it is a very desperate situation. It is it is horrible what is taking place inside the city as the siege continues around it, as they were already in a famine and they were already short on food and so on. And that's where we pick up the story as the siege is going on, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we will live. If they kill us, then we'll die. So they basically have three options. Die, die, and probably die. So that that just kind of recap a little bit. They go in the city, they're dead. They stay where they are, they're dead. So they choose the option where they're probably going to be put to death, but there's that little glimmer of hope, little glimmer of hope. And that's, that's their thought process. So at dusk, they got up and they went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, "'Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us.' So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. Then they returned and entered another tent and took some of those things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, We're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it. To ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So there's a desperate situation in Samaria. There's a desperate situation for these four lepers just outside the city gates, which was customary that lepers would be sent outside so that the leprosy didn't spread within the city. And there's a lot of spiritual parallels in this story to what we're talking about today. Maybe you've connected some of those dots. You see, these these lepers did nothing to earn their salvation. They didn't go out and single-handedly overthrow the Aramean army. They kind of stumbled into camp and found it deserted and found wealth and food and everything they could possibly need right there available to them for the taking. And they started hiding it. They started keeping it to themselves. They started carting it off and hiding it. And and then they say to each other in verse 9, we're not doing right. Some translations say what we are doing is wrong. What we're doing is wrong. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. Let's go at once and report this. Let's go at once and report this. Do you see the spiritual parallels to the salvation that that we have not earned, we do not deserve. And if we keep that to ourselves, if we don't share the good news, there's plenty to go around. If we keep that to ourselves, then we're not doing what is right. And our bottom line today is that found people find people. Found people find people. Found people live sent to find people and to share the good news with them. You might think of it that told people tell people. When somebody tells you the good news of Jesus Christ and you believe it and you have faith and you come into the family of God, now your responsibility is to go and tell someone else. Go and tell someone else. Forgiven people, when we experience God's grace and forgiveness and his mercy in our lives and we are forgiven, forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people and loved people. When we really start to understand the love that God has for us and the love that we are then to have for others. Loved people go love people. They go love people. And we are the found people. And we are the loved people. And we are the forgiven people. And if we don't go and be sent into this world to love people and to forgive people and to spread that grace and that mercy and to tell them what we've seen and heard, then that's not going to happen. And there are people in your life that God has placed you in your life to be salt and light, to be a witness to. And if you don't tell them your story, it won't get told because you're the only person that can tell your story. You're the only person that can tell your personal story of Jesus Christ coming into your life and the difference that it has made. And we have to remember that we are found people, that that I did not earn my salvation. I didn't figure it out on my own. I'm not smart enough to, to do that logically. Somebody told me. Somebody told me the good news. Somebody brought me up in it. Somebody discipled me. And all these people have poured into my life so that I can then be pouring into the lives of those around me. And that's the case for each and every one of us. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. Romans 6.23 the gospel, in a nutshell, says that it is, it is by the wages of sin is death. What, what I've earned is death. That's what I earned. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. It's a gift. We don't earn it. When we receive it, we pass it on. We share it with other people. We are set apart for His purposes, and we cannot, cannot keep this to ourselves because the world that we live in is in a desperate situation. The world that we live in is in a desperate situation. And it desperately needs what we have. It desperately needs the good news of Jesus Christ. So we must also go at once and report it, just like the lepers, just like the lepers. We must go at once and report it. We must go at once and tell people what we've seen and heard. And we hold Barnabas and Paul up on this pedestal, and we hold Paul up, you know, as this great missionary to the Gentiles and planting all these churches and writing almost half of the New Testament. And yet Barnabas and Paul are just a couple of found people who decided to go and find people and tell them the good news and bring them into the family of God. You know, I was preparing for this message, and I remembered a conversation I had with one of my boys, and I won't tell you which one, but it was a conversation I, w- I had with, with one of them, and I could have had it with any of them. And at the time, we were reading a lot of these missionary stories, great Christian heroes and great missionary heroes, and, and I was having a little one-on-one chat with him, and I just asked him, I was like, do you have any idea what you might want to be when you grow up? And he smiled a little, and he said, "Well, I thought it might be kind of cool to be, a, to be a Christian hero. And I just, I just loved that, that twinkle in his eye as he was hearing about these people who, and some of them didn't have happy endings. Some of the stories don't have happy endings and yet there was this, this desire in the heart of a child and I think that's why Jesus said that the kingdom belongs to such as these and there are kids in our church who are wonderful evangelists and they, they see themselves as, as having a mission in life to tell people about Jesus. And I was just reminded of that and wanted to share that with you because sometimes we think that to live sent or to be sent or to go and be sent, uh, it means that that we've got to pack our bags and we go to seminary and go on the mission field somewhere, and yet God might be sending you to somebody, to your next door neighbor or to, to somebody at work or somebody in your family. And so I want to encourage you today as we sort of close and, and as we seek to apply this word to our lives today, that's what we're here for. We're not here just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word, to be people who take what we hear, to, to plant it into our lives and to water it and fertilize it and help it to grow and bear fruit in our lives for the kingdom of God. I want to encourage you to ask God, where would you send me? Who would you send me to today? Today, this week, pray a specific prayer and ask God to make it clear and to give you the faith to obey the faith to obey so however you choose to respond i pray that you will respond in faith today you can come to an altar and you can you can pray and seek and pray for someone, maybe you know. Maybe you know right now who it is that God is sending you to. And today could be a day that you step forward and, and lift them up and intercede for them and pray for an open door and a soft heart and pray for the Spirit to do some groundwork. If you pray at these middle uh, altars, you'll be left alone. You can just pray right there. If you want somebody to pray with you, you can go to the outside altar. Somebody will come, put a hand on your shoulder, and pray for you or, or even pray with you. But however you choose to respond, my prayer is always that you will respond in faith to the Word of God today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your Word and we are so grateful for your love and your grace and your mercy. These things that we we gather together and we sing about and we sit and we listen to and we read about in your Word, God, we pray that they would come alive in us and through us, that we would Choose to go and be sent this week that we would go where you are sending us that we would do what you are sending us to do Lord give us wisdom to know what it is and give us the courage to do it even if it's hard even if we're scared even if we're anxious even if we might be rejected and we pray Lord that as we go we would take you into the places where you have placed us to be salt and light it's in Jesus name we pray